I'm Leah Mice, and you're listening to Bridging the Gap. This is the podcast where we talk to blind and visually impaired music creators and producers to better understand their workflows surrounding technology. This podcast is for everyone, whether you're part of the visually impaired and blind community, or you're simply curious about how visually impaired and blind music producers are using technology. This podcast is also available with closed captions on YouTube. Today's theme is technology, and we're joined by Brian Matthews, also known as The Rain, DJ Darkness, and Bashi. Thank you all for joining me. So I was wondering if you could each tell me a little about your musical background. We'll begin with you, Brian. I've been playing guitar for like 40 years now, so I've been creating music most of my life. I used to record music with a four-track analog recorder years ago, but got into digital recording about five years ago when I started uh, being shown how to use GarageBand, getting into GarageBand on my iPhone. And that's kind of led me to starting to release my music on Spotify, etc. earlier this year. Uh, I was fully sighted until I was about age eight, and then a number of different eye conditions kicked in around then and I gradually lost my sight over the course of the next 10 years and I've been totally blind for the last 30 years. I started playing guitar kind of in my early teens so that was sort of during the course of when I was losing my sight it was kind of learning the muscle memory to to figure out where where to where to go on the the fretboard etc. So my name is Washi. I am a mostly digital producer um I started in 2019 with just playing guitar just for a little while. And then I got into Audacity GarageBand just to experiment with some finished tracks that I got from some friends. And then from there, I went over to Reaper. And that's where I am now. <laughs> Great. Um, where are you joining us from, Bashi? I'm in Norway. I'm uh, originally from Somalia mostly had like i would say decent vision back in the day and then slowly started degrading over time so now i can only see like vague shapes colors and i really have to be close to see those thank you so much for joining us and dj darkness you're the last but not least to introduce yourself today so good to be here i'm from south africa totally blind was born that way i was part of uh, quintuplets because of premature birth and too much oxygen in the incubator. My site, unfortunately, doesn't work, which is fine. <laughs> and um, so I'm a music producer as well. I'm also an artist, a writer. I run a studio as well here in South Africa. So that's pretty much me. I'm a pianist. I've got my licentiate in jazz piano. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much me. And obviously the DJ name, I DJ as well. So remixes, I play at clubs, play at events, that kind of thing. You sound really busy, so thank you so much for making the time. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm sure the others are just as excited to be here. Absolutely. Yep. Great. So I'm just wondering what music software and access tools each of you use most frequently. So I said I use Reaper with a lot of complete control access. So my workflow really revolves around complete control. So I use that to load my instruments and all that. And I use Reaper as my recording software or DAW. That's pretty much me as well. Reaper can complete control. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to uh, to get into learning Reaper, but where I'm at is I use GarageBand on my phone. I mostly create 
demos with GarageBand uh, using VoiceOver on on the iPhone, and and then for the full recording to, for release, I work in a studio with with a producer. So Reaper is quite accessible for vision impaired and blind producers. Is that right? Reaper is not accessible like from the get go. You have to get the community made author script, so your screen reader can talk to the Reaper basically, and you get. A lot of key commands with that and when you have author installed it's really great when it comes to complete control they're not really connected complete control is something native instruments implemented the accessibility for okay so that's like my understanding though so if i'm wrong dj (laughs) take over yes so reaper pretty much as you said is just that that's the daw and then complete control is basically the keyboard and the software that you use with it is where you get your accessibility from so Reaper's the DAW. You install Asara, which is a separate tool to make it accessible and allow you keyboard access and speech feedback. And then, yeah, that's that's how you use it. And so, Brian, is that why you were thinking of moving over to using Reaper as opposed to GarageBand? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, Reaper is is a is is really powerful in terms of you know what you can do with it. Much more powerful than than GarageBand. Again, from what I hear. Reaper is the most accessible of the the DAWs that are out there. It's a tricky one to say because <laughs> Logic is also pretty accessible. And yeah. moving from GarageBand, if I were you, I'd probably move to Logic because Reaper and Logic are very different in their implementations. I mean, you literally have to <laughs> go from scratch and and learn Reaper, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, um, I'm doing but, that. <laughs> um, you know, maybe for maybe for what you do, Logic might actually be a really good a really good choice. Just just a thought because I've no, used both. I'm not a Mac user, so... Oh, okay, um, no, then use Reaper. (laughs) (laughs) Then then use Reaper. I got really frustrated at it taking ages to do things on the Mac that I could do in sort of seconds on on the PC. very different, yeah. What was making it take so long on the Mac? Just having having to learn... I guess, as well as learning the, the the sort of Mac environment, learning all the sort of the Mac accessibility um, shortcuts, etc. I just found that it, it didn't seem like a good use of t- my, my my time to to you know I I was thinking you know I could be I could do do what I'm trying to do in seconds on the PC and then that could you know I could have more time to actually create music. You must all be holding so many hotkeys and like shortcut keys in your head all of the time. Yeah, you don't, mm. don't think of it when it's like when you're used to it. But now I mean, I am learning logic because that's like the standard over here where I'm going to school, which I don't even know nothing. I can go to the library and browse on logic, <laughs> but that's about it. You know, I'm trying to learn all these commands and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it is pretty difficult if you're not like used to it. It's not muscle memory like Reaper is for me. I just wanted to elaborate on a reason why. It might have been tricky for Brian because I actually also went to Mac for a while because I thought it would be better. And a very good example, like a simple example I can give between the differences of Windows and Mac is on a Mac, the whole layout is different. So on Windows, and we're referring particularly to keyboard access here, your desktop, for instance, you arrow around on the PC. On the Mac, you have to turn on a special function or a special thing in voiceover that actually allows you to, to arrow around. Enter on a Windows machine, open something, enter on a Mac machine, renames something. So there's literally, it's literally two different universes. I mean, to open yeah. something on a Mac, you press control O or sorry, command O or command down arrow. So that's just one example. And it literally is like that throughout the entire 
operating system. So it's quite interesting when you try and go between the two. So I thought I'd just elaborate on that to make yeah, it clearer. That makes me feel a bit better for not persisting. No, no, I get it. I get it. When you are learning a new piece of software, is there a certain approach you take to learning? I mean, one approach is finding somebody who knows how, 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 how to work it, how to do it and kind of learn from them. So, I mean, one of the things that attracts me about learning Reaper is there seems to be a, a sort of active and supportive community of, of visually impaired Reaper users. The way I learned GarageBand was was that way to, to get somebody coaching me in, in how to use it. And we kind of discovered together, because the, the guy who was coaching me was um, running a, a, a music tech class at a local uh, sort of music group, um, and he 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 didn't really know how the accessibility stuff worked, but he he was willing to find out, and we sort of found out together. I also do a trawl of trawl of YouTube tutorials and and see what see what's out there, and it was interesting in figuring out GarageBand on on the iPhone that there was virtually nothing that I could find anywhere on YouTube that was providing guidance on how to use GarageBand on the iPhone or iPad with VoiceOver. So yeah, that's motivated me to try and create some stuff. Since there is such an investment in time to be learning new softwares and technology, yeah. I'm wondering what the most important factors are to you when you're choosing a new technology, purchasing it or deciding to use it, whether it's software or hardware. Okay. Uh, it's very hard because sometimes it's just like, yeah, I want to learn this because it sounds amazing. So it's like, if it's a new plugin or a new keyboard, like if I like it, like at first experience, then it's like, yes, you know, but sometimes it's like, I, if it's a DAW, I really care more about the workflow, you know, how easy things are to get to. And DJ Darkness, I'm wondering whether you currently encounter any significant access barriers when you're using music software. When I started this music production thing probably 12, 13 years ago. There were many barriers. Man, there were so many. I remember we had to work on scripts just to load a patch in contact, for instance. We had to do so many crazy things, like drag and drop wasn't a thing for DJing, so I had to literally, with a friend of mine, work on scripting to just get the uh, solution working just so I could load songs onto deck, onto a deck, for instance. When you but say now, scripting, are you are you talking about a completely custom-made piece of code? So it was a combination of both, actually. It was a combination of, so that, that friend of mine was really good with coding, so he would make the code custom. Or if it was a simple solution, it would be something like auto hotkey or auto it, okay. or one of those solutions that would literally just use mouse clicks or, uh, you know, similar mouse clicks, color, etc., for it to work. But uh, now, a lot of plugins are built on the framework called Juice. Yeah, and thank goodness, because as developers update, a lot of things are slowly becoming accessible. Now, it's not a perfect solution because things are not labeled correctly. But when you mess around enough, like, for instance, I use a plugin by gospel musicians called PureSynth. And on Monday, <laughs> I bought this plugin like six years ago. And only on Monday, for the first time, I could make my own patches or edit things. Or I mean, I'm still trying to get used to the interface, but yeah. The excitement uh, is quite, because Juice is obviously cross-platform, so Mac users could use a benefit from the accessibility, Windows users could, yeah. So 
the company who made the, the, the product released, they started developing on the newer version of Juice. And just like Magic, it was accessible. Uh, well, partly accessible. I mean, I could access the controls. They weren't labeled or anything, but it was a really good start from having nothing. <laughs> How do you find out that, oh, this new patch is accessible? You know, where's the information on, on that? Very, very stubborn. So I will literally go in and try stuff. Unfortunately, you waste money sometimes as well. As I say, now it's fantastic because you've got lots of communities, Reaper communities, uh, Logic communities, Pro Tools. So people can caution you, but if there's nothing there, then I'm afraid you just have to jump in and, and hope for the best. That can be expensive, I'd imagine, you know. Yeah. Just- Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it can be very expensive. <laughs> Do you feel restricted by your music software ever? I mean, y- yes. Uh, I mean, partly by the software and partly by my ability to get to grips with the software. And maybe it's the t- going back to the, what, what I was saying earlier on about sort of the time I, I'm willing or able to put into it. But there are things in GarageBand that I can't do. And, you know, that's that frustrates me you know for all for all the, the for all the joy that i get from the things that garage band enables me to do to produce these multi-track demos and and add lots of different instruments i mean there's there's one song i'm working on at the moment where i just want to change kind of four bars in the middle of the song visually that's probably a really easy thing to do maybe if i was more if i was more expert in using garage band i would be able to to, to do it but i I'm sort of resigning myself that I'm going to have to sort of re-record the whole song in order to get these four different bars in the middle. I try to limit that that sort of thing by dividing songs into song sections so I can go in and just edit a section, but I'm not sure that's going to work with this particular example. Bashi, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there is something that you feel like you're able to do with this technology, using it in the way that you use it, that cited creators may be missing out on? Well, when it comes to me using Reaper, I think cited people that would be using Reaper, which they usually don't. They go for the FL Studios and Ableton's, but if they would use Reaper, I think they would miss out on all the key commands. Like, I could load instruments and do the, all that with just a couple of buttons while they have to, like, browse around, which <laughs> makes me feel good sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> If you had one piece of advice to give a music software company that are interested in improving accessibility of their products, what would that advice be? What I would recommend is that developers reach out to communities like Reapers Without Peepers. Uh, It's an emailing list because there are so many people on there who actually are able to guide accessibility creation for tools or further accessibility, tell you what is necessary. For instance, there's a synth now called Surge XT that has literally become fully accessible due to community developer engagement. It's a free synth. So that would be honestly my biggest advice. I mean, there's no point in me saying add this feature or this feature because as a community, we're large. Or as a, well, I mean, not as large as you know the ordinary community, but there are a lot of variant variants of people who have different needs. So working with someone who's very familiar with accessibility solutions. There was a guy who did an Omnisphere script a couple of years ago, Steve Spamer. He's very good at that kind of thing. Scott Chesworth. Lots of lots of lots of different people <laughs> who are able to help with that. So that's what I would recommend to any developer is just reach out and uh yeah, it could be great. Yeah, the community is very large and the access requirements are very vast, right? And Definitely. not everybody uses screen readers. Not everybody reads Braille mm. and yeah, it's important to kind of collaborate with the community Absolutely. really. 
Brian, I'm just wondering, are screen readers well suited to music access? Yeah, I mean, voiceover has been developed in a way that, you know, doesn't, I guess my first fear when I was starting to use it was, you know, oh, the voice is going to be all over the recording. You know, <laughs> the, the, but no, I mean, it's, it's been it's been developed in a way that, you know, the, the you can access the voice, but, you know, it, it's it's totally separate to, to what you're recording. And I mean, I think... There are bits, and and DJ Darkness and Bashi will will probably have interesting things to say on this about you know whether or not how it how easy it is to sort of change things on dials because the soft the software sort of seems to rely on you know adjusting dials and that that's mm. that's sometimes quite difficult uh, with, a, yeah. with a screen reader. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best to be honest. <laughs> it's a tricky one with dials, for instance. Especially with GarageBand, it's very like you have to like if you want to adjust the track length of a certain section, you, you have to like double tap and drag it. And sometimes mm. it will say like three beats, like three three bars, three beats. But sometimes it will just shut up, and you have to just guess. It's fine, but could be better. So I use turntables, and I use a controller, so I can mm -hmm. oh, okay. DJ like everyone else does and that's the thing and i think you can all agree with me here we just want to be able to compete with our peers yes. our sided peers yes. the same level um as them for, like with my business as well if i hand in a mix to a client it has to be as good as any you know as as, as good as it can possibly be and yeah. i think that's what these tools allow us to do these days bashi and and DJ darkness how, how the technology sort of influences what you create so for example there was a plugin I got like, I don't know, a couple of months ago, which allows me to basically chop up samples where I play, if I play keyboard part, where it lets me mm -hmm. to rearrange it in new different patterns, which was, That's cool. that was like not available to me. Like, what all. was that plugin, Bosch? I might Shaper just grab box. it. Shaper Shaper yeah, that so that's thing, what Shaperbox does. That's crazy. Yeah, it does <laughs> a lot a of shot. different things. It does that, and it can do a lot of like reverse effects, and so that makes like made me do more glitchy like sounding tracks, mm. like more exper mm. experimental, more fun. Cool. Say that. And I, yeah, I wouldn't you. be able to do that. I don't know what they did with the software. They updated it, and boom, I can OCR around now. I think it's exciting because technology can allow you to do such cool things. I mean, so I work in multiple genres. I work in hip hop, R&B, house, and occasionally alternative um, rock. And what technology allows you to do is you can be really creative. For instance, I'm busy mixing a session now. It's like a like an up-tempo pop rock type thing. More, more pop than rock. So now I'm busy messing around with getting a very, 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 very heavy intense drum sound and i mean you can literally grab anything and layer them on top of each other and see where it goes in fact i just i just got it right like literally two minutes before <laughs> this podcast right. call came through <laughs> so definitely able to create a lot of different things sometimes what i would do is i would literally grab the data from the song and i would paste it randomly across everything and see if anything ridiculous comes up and i've often come up with bridges endings of songs ridiculous chord progressions because you'd have drum parts on piano parts for instance oh, wow. and sometimes oh, you can really yeah. get the coolest 
And that happened by accident once. And ever <laughs> since then, I've been doing it just to see if I have not, if I'm literally scraping the bottom of the can, I will literally do that. <laughs> I can relate to that feeling. I once put a piano into a guitar plug-in, like a guitar. That's fun. Yeah, that's, that's fun. great. <laughs> yeah, fun. that is fun. And then reverse uh, the hell out of it. And there you go. <laughs> We've got a whole new texture that no one else has thought of, or at least has, but not sound the same. <laughs> yeah, and that's just fun because I see, oh, I hear a lot of people like doing it because I'm going to a music course. Everybody's like, yeah. using Logic and FL, and they mm, mm. they can do that. And now with now you oh, can, yeah, I can. <laughs> like, yeah. Great, that's really cool. So I'm sure that people listening along now really want to check out all of your music. So could you all mention how people can find you online or find your music online? Um, Brian, you're called The Rain. That's yeah. R-A-Y-N-E. That's right. So you, you can find um, the first four singles of The Rain on Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon, YouTube, etc. Follow me on Instagram at therain.music. I'm going to be following right now. <laughs> Bashi, how can everybody find your music? So me and a um, friend of mine have a artist account together. So we work together. He's also visually impaired. So you can find us at YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, at RBT Productions. And DJ Darkness, how can people find out about your studio and your work? Facebook slash The Real DJ Darkness. And then djdarkness.co.za is almost up. So then you'll have a consolidation of all my work. All right. Well, thank you all for taking the time to chat today. It's been amazing. I've loved hearing about all of your projects and all of your workflows. So thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in to Bridging the Gap. <laughs>